0: Give us eyes to see people like you do. Give us hearts of compassion like you have to see the people around us, not be upset at them, not be mad, but see their sheep without a shepherd. And that we're so blessed we have a shepherd and we know a shepherd. Lord of the harvest, there's nothing more essential happening than than your work in our community and world. And so, Lord, stir our hearts. Move people to say yes to serve, to welcome children, to welcome people, to help get the gospel out. Holy Spirit, as we open up your word together today and learn about you, fall fresh on us. May you send us out, out as workers, to share with others about the good shepherd we know, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you would be willing to be a worker, if you would put that on your Connect card and, and drop it in the box, boy, I would really thank God for you uh, helping us out. Um, it was many years ago. <clears throat> Karen and I, we had four kids. We were still living in Boca Raton, but we were vacationing here in town and we were having breakfast at the McDonald's on the north end of town. Karen and I are having breakfast, our four kids are in the playground. And I'm eating and I look out and I see Caleb, our youngest, I don't know, he's about a year and a half, and the the playground had a wrought iron fence around it. Not a great idea, but they didn't know that. It had a wrought iron fence around it, so Caleb, our youngest, goes up to the fence, turns sideways, and goes right through the wrought iron fence. All that's separating him from US-1 is the sidewalk. You wouldn't believe how fast I moved. Man, I dropped my coffee, I went out the door, and I grabbed him. And it all happened so fast. He was lost. It was urgent. I grabbed him, and I saved him, and we rejoiced. Don't you love rescue stories? I mean, the story of the Chilean miners who were rescued. Didn't you love that story? The soccer team trapped. The soccer team trapped in Thailand in a cave, and they were rescued. Didn't you love the movie Dunkirk? Didn't you? The Allied troops and, and their their. Uh, They're right there on Dunkirk, and everyone in England, everyone with a boat, they went out and they brought them back. Didn't you love that? You know why we love that? Because that's our story. The Bible is a great rescue story. From cover to cover, it's this great rescue story. And what we're going to learn today is that story that Jesus saves. And in particular, what we're going to learn today is that Jesus saves Moses. And after Jesus saves Moses, Jesus invites Moses to join him in saving Israel. And we're going to learn that's our story. That's our story. First, Jesus saves us, and then he invites us to join him in saving others. It's such a good story. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Exodus 2. Um, When I... When our youngest daughter, our oldest daughter was born, and I've told you before, but she loved books, and uh, she would open them up, and she would go, I love the Bible, don't you know? Because when I open the Bible, and I smell, you know what I smell? I smell Jesus, right? Don't you love to gather together with others and smell Jesus together, a book about him from beginning to end? Now, um, during this pandemic, I've gotten into binge-watching, and I've been binge-watching NCIS. (laughs) And often, know what they say? They'll say, previously on NCIS. And so that's how we're starting today, okay? Previously on Exodus. Where we left off last week is that Israel was in Egypt, right? Israel was in Egypt. They had been there for over 400 years. They were no longer welcome there. And there was a Pharaoh who wanted genocide. He wanted to wipe out all Israel by killing all the baby boys. And so we'll start with where we left off last week, previously on Exodus, okay? Chapter 1, verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who was born to you, you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter, you are to keep alive. Moms, can we talk? Ladies, can can you imagine? We live in a time where people think we live in the worst time ever. It's challenging, okay? Can you imagine being a mom then, and you're pregnant? And you know that if your baby is born, the government wants to kill your son. Now a man, starting in chapter 2, a man from the house, a man named Amram, from the house of Levi, went and married a daughter of Levi named Jochebed. The woman conceived and bore a son named Moses. And you say, well, Smiley, how how do you know all that? Well, look in Exodus 6 a little bit later. See Amram, see that's Moses' dad. Amram married his father's sister, ooh, right? Uh, her name was Jacobed, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. Now, so Jacobed marries, Hamram marries Jacobed, and they have Moses and Aaron. They have a sister named Miriam. Okay? So, so remember the characters. Now, now back in the story, I want to read verses one and two again because I, I don't think you realized how shocking these verses are. So listen again, see how they're shocking. Pay attention. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Did you hear what was radical? Did you? You missed it. Listen, now three or four years ago, I understand it. But here's why it shocks me. Listen carefully. A man and a woman. God created us. There are two sexes. There is male and female. Did you pick that up in the story? There was a man and a woman next to. Know what happened? God instituted marriage to be what? A permanent union of what? One man and one woman. Did you hear that? It's right here. That a man married a woman. So here's why it's so radical. God created us, male and female, God instituted marriage. It's a man and woman. And know what happens when a man and woman get married and have sex? What happens? Babies come, right? And know what the baby was? He was, a, he was a boy. He was a son. Wow. Know why it's important to come to church? Because in the church we hear the truth, right? We hear what? That God created us male and female. That God instituted marriage as the permanent union of a man and woman. And that it works out best for children when they grow up with their, what, with their mom and dad. Uh, so much. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The man conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was, come on, he was what? What mother? Doesn't think what? That her kid is. Beautiful. What parents don't think their kid is beautiful. But what makes this so funny is who's writing this? Moses is writing this. (laughs) And Moses is writing what? But I was a beautiful child. So I'm going to teach you something about Scripture, okay? Um, The primary author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. And the secondary author of the Bible are the people who wrote it. And so the Holy Spirit moved Moses to write this. And Moses really liked writing that he was a beautiful child. But I want you to know that was his second favorite verse, not his first favorite verse. You say, well, what was Moses' favorite verse? And in Numbers, this was his favorite. Now listen, Moses is writing this, okay? Now the man Moses was very humble more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Isn't that good? God, I like this inspiration stuff, right? I mean, he was humble, and he was beautiful. Um, The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Oh, Amram and Jochebed, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, you can hide a kid for a while, but after a while, it gets, what, impossible to hide what? are we going to do? Listen, you're a mother, you're a dad, you have a child, the government wants to kill your child, what are you going to do? Now what we're going to learn in this passage is that Moses is a, is a type of Christ, he's a picture of Jesus, he points to Jesus, but he's not Jesus. But one way Moses was like Jesus was Moses was born under a death sentence, wasn't he? He was born in a time where every male boy, baby was to be killed, and when Jesus was born, there was what a... Death sentence, right? Where every boy born in Bethlehem under two was to be killed. So listen, Amram and Jochebed said, we don't care what the civil government says. We're not murdering our child. And I believe they began to develop a plan to save their child. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. I believe that Jacobet and Amram had done some reconnaissance. And they had gone out, and and they had seen where Pharaoh's daughter would bathe. It doesn't say this, but here's what I think is happening. And so then they saw that, and they said, here's what we'll do. We'll put Moses in a basket so she'll see them. And then Miriam was stationed right there to make sure the plan went through. So they put the baby in a basket, put it out after they had done their reconnaissance. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile, with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child. That's all that ladies need, right? I mean, isn't it to see a child in their hearts just one, right? She saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying, and she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Perhaps she knew because he was circumcised, right, that this is a Hebrew then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, so there's Miriam, she's doing her part, right? Right there to speak up. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you <clears throat> from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. Um, My wife loves the A-team, where where Colonel Hannibal Smith at the end says, I love it when a plan comes together. Isn't that what happened here? Moses was saved. Listen, Amram and Jochebed get to raise their child, and she even gets paid to do it, right? I can hear all the wives in here today, and moms saying, "Ah, when are you going to pay me for what I'm doing, okay? But here's what I want you to know. I, I don't know how much time they had, because I tried to find it, but, but I couldn't, but I know this, it was short. And what I want you to know is that Amram and Jacobed knew they had Moses for a short time, and then they were going to unleash him into an extremely hostile culture. So they had only a short time to, to lead him to faith and to prepare him, to prepare him to live out his faith in a hostile culture. Isn't that true of us? Isn't it? Don't we live in a hostile culture to our faith? And don't we have our children for such a short, short time? Can't we be inspired by Amram and Jochebed to make the most of that short time to prepare our kids to live out their faith in a hostile culture? So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up, and I'm going to show you, now he's about 40. So we've just gone from when he's born to 40 years old. When he's about 40 years old, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. His mom and dad had done such a good job, he had their faith. And his identity was rooted in God, wasn't he? He knew he was a... He was a who? A Hebrew. He knew, I, I'm not an Egyptian, I'm a Hebrew. His identity was rooted in God. Uh, his, his community, he he realized that he was not an Egyptian. He belonged among God's people. He had an identity. I'm a Hebrew, a community, God's people. He had a purpose. His mother and dad had... in. And it built into him that knowledge that Jesus had saved him so that he would save Israel. You say, how do I know that? So he looked this way and that. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. We see his first attempt to deliver Israel from the Egyptians to defend God's people. Moses knew who he was. He knew where he belonged. He knew why he was here to deliver. He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? But he said, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Here we see the second attempt. Once again, Moses is seeking to fulfill his purpose to deliver God's people, first from the Egyptians, secondly from each other. Are you intending to kill me as you kill the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, Surely the matter has become known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. We're going to be walking through Exodus for a while, and so I want you to understand Moses. Moses' life is, well, uh, to understand Moses' life, we get a little better insight in, uh, in Acts chapter 7. Uh, the reason I knew Moses is 40 years old is because we learn more about Moses in Acts 7. Some of you know this passage. Stephen has been arrested. Stephen is defending himself. And as Stephen defends himself, he tol- tells the whole history of Israel. And he spends a lot of time talking about Moses. So notice this. But when he, Moses, was approaching the age of 40. So 1 through 14, 1 through 15 in our passage is from being born to 40 years old. It entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. Again, identity. Identity, I'm a Hebrew. People, I belong among God's people, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him. He knew his purpose. I'm not here for myself. I'm here to deliver God's people. He defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. Identity community, purpose, all there from those few short years that Amram and Jacob had to pass on their faith to to Moses. And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him. He thought they would recognize, oh, this is the deliverer that God has sent for us. Um, But they did not understand. On the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting together, and he tried to reconcile them in peace. Again, a second time, he tries to deliver them, saying, Men, you are brethren, why do you injure one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? You did not mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? At this remark, Moses fled and became an alien in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. So, We've covered a lot of ground in 14 or 15 verses, and so I want to help you understand this a little bit. Uh, As we get to know Moses over the next few weeks, his life is like a three-act play. You like plays? His life is like a three-act play. Act number one is in Egypt. Verses one, his birth, through verses 15, that's the first 40 years. That's act one. Act one of Moses' life is in Egypt. Starting in verse 16, act two is... Verses 16 through the end of this chapter, and that's in the desert. In the desert. And then next week when we gather together, we'll start Act 3. Chapter 3 is the third 40-year period of his life where he's leading Israel out of Egypt. Three acts, all all 40 years long, right? So we just finished his time in Egypt. Now he's running into the desert to Midian. So let me show you where Moses was going. See Egypt on the left? If you go across the Red Sea to the east, you'll see Midian. So that's where Moses is fleeing away. He's fleeing away from Pharaoh. Back to the story. Now, the priest of Midian, did you know that Moses was related to the Midianites? Did you know that? Remember, those of you who were with us last year, we learned about Moses or Abraham was married to. Sarah, and then Sarah died, and then Moses remarried, not Moses, Abraham remarried, and he remarried Keturah, and Keturah and Abraham had many kids, and one of their sons was named Midian, and from Midian came the, you're with me now, right, the Midianites, right? So when when Moses comes to the priest of Midian, this is someone who would have been related to him. Now notice the priest of Midian had... What? Seven daughters. Doesn't seem like he had any sons, but had seven daughters. And they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. So they did what men usually did because this man had no sons. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. The male shepherds came and they pushed away. They pushed away the female shepherds, but Moses stood up and helped them. See the word help them? In some translations, it says he saved them or he delivered them. Once again, we see Moses doing what? He's fulfilling that purpose that had been instilled in him that Jesus had saved him so that he could save Israel. Matter of fact, it seems to me that Moses is in the Jesus school of saving. Are you? That Moses was in the Jesus school of saving. His first attempt was at delivering the Hebrew, the Hebrew from the Egyptians. And then he learned a little more to, to deliver the Hebrews from the Hebrews. And here again, he's delivering these oppressed daughters from these shepherds, right? And all of these, he was developing his saving skills so that later he would be ready for his biggest act of all, which would be to save Israel out of Egypt. Are you in the Jesus school of saving, Are you? Do you realize that he saved you so that you might join him in saving others? Um, Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to rule their father, he said, Why have you come back so soon today? So they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. He delivered us. He saved us. He helped us. And what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. Isn't that Jesus Isn't it that he not only saves us, he gives us what? He gives us what? Living water to drink, doesn't he? So he not only delivered them, he gave them water to drink. Uh, As he said to his daughters, where is he then? Why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses was willing to dwell with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses. Then she gave birth to a son, and he named him Gershon For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. We're going to see over and over again, in so many ways, Moses points to Jesus. He points to Jesus, but he's not Jesus. You see, he's not Jesus because Jesus had to save him so that he could save Israel. And no one saves Jesus. Jesus saves us. Um, I love the next few verses. Are you in a tough spot? Are you overwhelmed sometimes by some of the things that we face? Listen to what it says. Now it came about in the course of those many days, over the next 40 years, that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. Let me show you that. They uh, sighed. Have you found yourself doing that lately? It's just, this thing just goes on and on and on. you you find yourself, you sigh because it's just hard. They sighed and they cried out. They cried out to God. Do you see? Do you care? Do you hear? And their cry for help because of their bondage, it, what, it, it rose up to God. Um, so God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. Did you see the fourfold response of God? Notice first, God heard. You ever find yourself groaning and wonder, does God hear? Be assured what God heard. They're groaning, right? And then notice, God remembered. You ever think, man, God's forgotten me? God remembered. Notice he remembered his covenant. A covenant is a binding promise, Remember what God had promised Abraham? I will bless you when you shall be a blessing. God remembered that. Remember what God had promised Abraham? After 400 years, after 400 years, I will lead you out of Egypt. And so they said, God, remember, remember what? Remember what you promised? Do you ever pray God's promises back to him? God loves when we remind him of his promises to us. So God remembered his covenant. Notice what else? God saw. God saw what was going on, and God took notice of them. Some translations say he knew them. I mean, God was intimately aware of what they were going through. And so next week, we're going to see how God does indeed call Israel out of the wilderness to go back and and to save Israel. So what have we learned so far? We've learned that Jesus saves. He saves. He saves Moses, and then he invites Moses to join him in saving others. And so what I want us to do this week, as we've learned that Jesus saves, is I want you to trust Jesus. Just like Moses trusted Jesus to save him, and he trusted Jesus for every good work that God had for him, I want us to learn how to trust Jesus to save us first, because we need to be saved, and and then to trust Jesus for every good work that he has prepared for us to walk in them. Well, why do we need to trust Jesus to save us? Well, Listen to Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Listen, all of us need to be saved. And that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Bible, from one cover to the other, is that Jesus saves. That's the gospel. The bad news of the gospel is that we need to be saved. And the reason we need to be saved is we have a problem called sin, that we have all sinned against God. And not only have we sinned against God, but we are sinners. This week, I've been reading through Leviticus. And know what I read in Leviticus over and over again? God says, you've sinned against me. You've sinned against me. You've sinned against me. You've sinned against me. So often when I share my faith with people, they say, I've never hurt anyone. It never enters their mind that sin is not primarily hurting other people. It is a sin against God. Sin is incredibly personal. And every one of us has sinned over and over again against God. And know what God says we deserve. For our sin against Him, He says what we deserve is hell. What we deserve is to be separated from God and from all good things. And listen, when you understand the bad news that we have sinned, we are sinners and we deserve hell, and then you hear Jesus saves. Jesus saves. You say, tell me more. Here's the good news. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. He came to save sinners. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. Know what he did? He took the penalty that we deserve. He took our sin. He died in our place. He experienced hell so that we would never have to. He died in our place. He really did die. But listen, on the third day, he walked out of the tomb. His resurrection proved he had conquered sin and death, our greatest enemies, and he offers us salvation. Did you hear that? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Well, what does it mean to be saved? It means we're saved from sin. It means we're saved from the penalty of sin, which is hell. It means we're saved from wasting our life. It means we're saved for. We're saved for forgiveness. We're saved for an abundant life now. We're saved with life with Jesus forever. And what does God require of us? Not that we work for and earn it, (laughs) but that we admit that we can't earn it, and we put our trust in Jesus. Have you? Did you hear it? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Salvation is a gift. We don't work for it or earn it. We receive it by faith. Not as a result of work so that no one may boast. Saving faith is trusting Jesus. Are you trusting in Jesus or yourself for salvation? Listen, to trust Jesus means we transfer our trust from ourselves to Jesus. How do we do that? It starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? And then it moves on to, we believe. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me and rose. And then we commit, we trust Jesus. Jesus, I'm not going to trust in myself anymore and my good works. I'm going to trust in what you did for me once and for all. Won't you do that? It means we trust him as Lord. The rebellion against you stops today. I surrender. I want you to be Lord. And from this day forward, you lead and I'll follow. Oh, if you've never done that, won't you do that? You can do that right where you are. Or come up after the service. I'd be glad to assist you. But listen, if you've put your faith in Christ, I want you to know you've been saved. And I want you to understand you've not been saved by good works. Oh, but you have been saved for good works. Did you know that? For by grace you have been saved through faith, we're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. But listen to this, what are we saved for? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Instead of wasting our lives, we've been saved for good works. Really cool here. It says this workmanship, the, the Greek word there is poema. We're his poem. Every one of us is a masterpiece. We're new people. We're not what we used to be, and we've all been given the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we are created for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I want you to know Moses was not saved by good works, but he was saved what? For good works, and one of the good works that God had for Moses is that he would save Israel out of Egypt. Are you a Christian? Listen, you've been saved for good works. You know what I would expect you to say? What are they? What are they? What are the good works that God has prepared for me that he saved me for? You know where we learn them from? We learn them from, from Jesus, right? From Jesus. Let me show you this. This is kind of a a map of what we want to do as a church to make disciples. We all start out as lost people, right? And then we hear the gospel and we believe, and then we become a believer. And as a believer, Jesus says, follow me. He wants us to follow him because he's got good works which he's prepared for us. So how do we know them? Well, we spend time with him. We can't can't follow him if we don't know him. And that's why we gather in worship. It's why we encourage you to be involved in a small group. It's why we encourage you to pick up the Bible and read it because we're going to get to know Jesus. And as we get to know Jesus, there's five really important questions that will prepare us for the good works. The the questions start with identity. Who am I? And then community. Where do I belong? And then purpose. Why am I here? And then money. How much should I give? And then hope, where am I going? I was showing this to someone this week, and they said, Smiley, there's a lot more things under under, uh, chair two when you're a believer than there is when you're a worker. And I said, right. And they said, well, why is that? I said, because you're laying the foundation. You're laying the foundation at that chair so that for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life, you can live a life with purpose." And you can join Jesus in saving others and and winning the lost and building believers. And that's what Amram and Jochebed did such a good job. In that little time they had with Moses, they laid a foundation that served him well for the rest of his life. Let me show you that. In Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 23, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, and because they saw he was a beautiful child, they were not afraid of the king's edict. Man, what it's saying is, it's not saying that they weren't afraid. They were saying they feared God more than they feared men. That's why they hid him. That's why they came up with a plan. But listen, during that time, they laid the foundation. They answered these five questions in Moses' life. Let me show you. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, who are you? I am a Hebrew. His identity was rooted in Jesus. Is yours? Smiley, who are you? Who am I? I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Christ. That's who I am. Listen. If we want to make a difference, it's so important we understand our identity. It's rooted in Christ, right? That's where it started with Moses' identity. Who am I? He said, I'm a Hebrew. Secondly, community, where do I belong? Listen to this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the, with what, who? the people of God. Moses understood he didn't belong in Egypt. He belonged in the people of God. Let me tell you something. I don't belong in America. I am a stranger, an alien, in a foreign land. I belong in the church of Jesus Christ. The reason I treasure worship... The reason I treasure small group is when I gather here, we love his word together. We praise Jesus together. We share in common our beliefs, right? I belong in the church. I'm in my country on a mission. Listen, do you understand that? Moses understood that. Yes, I live in Egypt, but I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew living in Egypt, Identity, community, purpose. Moses knew why he was here. While by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he didn't live a comfortable life in Pharaoh's palace, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He was willing to give up everything he could to save his people. Kind of reminds you of someone, right? Who gave up everything to save us. Um, how about us? Do we understand our purpose? That we are not here for ourselves. We are here for others. That Jesus has saved us and he invites us to join him in saving others in winning others and building them up. Oh. Identity, community, purpose, money. Uh. How often people say well you know how much should i give notice what it says about moses choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of god than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin considering the reproach of christ greater riches than the treasures of egypt moses said the worst thing that jesus offers suffering is better than the best thing that Egypt offers and treasures. You want to know why Moses' life made a difference? Because he believed the worst thing Jesus offered suffering was far greater than the best thing that Egypt offered. Can you imagine what our lives would be like? Can you imagine what our church would be like? If we believe that suffering for the cause of Christ was more rewarding, richer, than all the money and treasures of America, talk about an unstoppable people. Um, Identity, community, purpose, money, hope. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment. Why would someone choose that? Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses knew life on earth was short; It was okay to sacrifice and suffer now because eternity was forever and ever and ever, and he lived today in light of that day. Oh, Are you a Christian? We're going to live forever. And listen, that means we need to live today in light of that day. So what I want you to do this week is I want you to trust Jesus, to trust Jesus to save us, to trust Jesus for every good work that he's prepared for us to walk in. And what I want you to do this week is to trust Jesus and take a step, take a step in those good works. Well, smiley, is it safe? No, it's not safe, but it's worth it. Listen, was it safe? Was it safe for for Amram and Jochebed? Was it safe for them to hide Moses? Was it? Was it safe? No, it wasn't safe. They risked their lives. But they said, Our son is worth the risk, didn't they? Was it safe? Was it safe for Moses? Was it safe for Moses to defend the Hebrew? Was it? No. Was it safe for Moses to go back to Egypt and say, let my people go? Was it safe? No, it wasn't safe. But you know what Moses would say? It was was worth it. You know what's sad? It's not people who are taking risk for something that matters. What's sad is people who have nothing to risk for. So this week, take a step. Serve. Is it safe to serve in the church? No, it's not safe. But it's worth it. Give. Is it safe to give some of your money away? No. But it's worth it. Who else is going to be involved in winning the lost? Who else is going to be involved in building up and equipping people? Where else are people going to gather together and hear that God made us male and female? that God established marriage, that, listen, life goes best for kids when they grow up with their mom and dad. Where else are they going to hear that? Is it safe to give? No. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it safe to share the gospel with people in our culture? No, it's not safe. But is it worth it? Yes. I'm so glad someone took the risk to share Christ with me. Aren't you? Won't you be that person for someone else? Oh, Smiley, is it, is it safe to walk in the good works that Jesus has prepared for us to serve and to give and to share? No, it's not safe. But I can guarantee you one thing. It's worth it. It is worth it. Let's pray. Jesus It would make sense for us to risk everything for you. But what makes no sense is you risk everything and gave up everything for us. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for living and dying and rising to save us. And listen, if you've never trusted Jesus to save you, won't you? I mean, he's here. Won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? And won't you believe? Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you trust him? Jesus, I want you to be my savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've trusted Jesus for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you. Tell someone. It'll make Jesus more real to you. Jesus, I pray those of us who've trusted you to save us that we would trust you for every good work you've prepared for us. I pray from you we would learn who we are and where we belong and and, and why we're here and how to be generous and and the hope that we have to share with others. And Lord, I pray this week that all of us would take a step to serve, to give and share because we believe your worth any risk we might ever take. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.